everyone and welcome to the second podcast in the series of podcasts released by the student-led teaching team. I'm Prash and today we'll be talking about asthma, COPD and emphysema. We'll start with asthma. What is asthma? It's defined as a chronic inflammatory condition with intermittent episodes of reversible bronchoconstriction and hypersensitivity. It's really important to remember that asthma is reversible and this is why we can use certain medications like sabers to help alleviate the patient's symptoms. Common symptoms of asthma include a polyphonic expiratory wheeze, dyspnea and cough. Symptoms are normally episodic and may be worse at night or in the morning and we call this type of pattern a diurnal pattern. What is the pathophysiology of asthma? Well, there are two phases, the immediate phase and the delayed phase. In the immediate phase, the allergen stimulates the release of chemotaxins, like leukotrienes from the arachidonic acid pathway, as well as platelet activating factor. The allergen also stimulates the release of spasmogens, like histamine and prostaglandins from mast cells. These all trigger bronchospasm. In the delayed phase, there is an influx and activation of inflammatory cells, and these cause three things. Airway inflammation, bronchospasm, and hypersecretion of mucus. When the patient has these three things, we say that they're having an asthma attack. Risk factors for asthma include having a family history, obesity, and atopy. So this includes having a history of eczema, atopic dermatitis, and allergic rhinitis. There are a few investigations we can do to help diagnose asthma. One of them is calculating the FEV1 to FEV ratio using spirometry. And in asthmatic patients, this will be less than 80% of predicted. As we mentioned before, Asthma is reversible, so the patient will have bronchodilator reversibility. We can also ask the patient to do a peak expiratory flow rate, and again, this will be greatly reduced in asthmatic patients. The patient can also do a pheno, and this will be elevated to more than 40 parts per billion. We could do an immunoglobulin E blood count, and this could show synophilia as asthma is a type 1 hypersensitivity reaction. The patient could do a skin prick test, which could show atopy. And on chest x-ray, they could have hyperinflated lungs, if chronic. Their sputum will show three Cs, Kirschman spirals, Charcot-Leyden crystals, and Criola bodies. Asthma is managed in a ladder-like fashion. For first line, we can give the patient a short-acting beta agonist, or what the patient will often call their reliever. This will normally be salbutamol. Salbutamol works on beta-2 receptors, which are linked to G-protein couple receptors. This activates adenylcyclase, increasing cyclic AMP. This works to increase protein kinase A and decrease calcium which causes bronchodilation. We can also give the patient 
a low-dose inhaled corticosteroid, which they will often call their preventer. Normally, this will be beclometasone. For second line, we can give the patient an oral leukotriene receptor antagonist, such as Montelukast. Montelukast antagonizes the leukotrienes produced in the arachidonic acid pathway. For third line, we can give the patient a long-acting beta agonist, or a LABA, such as salmeterol. Salmeterol has the same mechanism of action as salbutamol, but salmeterol has a lipophilic tail that embeds the drug into the phospholipid bilayer. This means that it has a much longer duration of action. For fourth line, we can increase the inhaled corticosteroid dose to moderate. For fifth line, we can increase the corticosteroid dose to high, or we can add an oral theophylline, or add an inhaled long-acting muscarinic antagonist, or a LAMA, such as teotropium. Now let's move on to chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as COPD. COPD is defined as an obstruction of airflow due to either inflammation of the airways, also known as chronic bronchitis, and or the destruction of the alveolar walls, also known as emphysema. It is important to note that this disease is irreversible and is only alleviated slightly with medication, such as sabers. The best preventative measure is smoking cessation. Patients usually present with both chronic bronchitis and emphysema, so we group them under the term of COPD. Now let's look at chronic bronchitis in a bit more detail. Chronic bronchitis is defined as having a productive cough for more than three months each year for two or more consecutive years. The main pathogenesis of chronic bronchitis is the hypersecretion of mucus. This is due to two main reasons. Submucosal gland hyperplasia in the trachea and bronchi and or an increase in the number of goblet cells in the small airways, causing mucus plug formation and air trapping. This leads to the characteristic productive cough in COPD patients. We can use the read index to help assess the severity of the bronchitis. In chronic bronchitis, the ratio is more than 0.4. Patients are classically described to be blue bloaters. Now let's look at emphysema. Emphysema is characterised by the permanent dilation of the air spaces distal to the terminal bronchioles and it has two main causes. Toxic substances like cigarette smoke or an alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. Patients are classically described to be pink puffers with large barreled chests, muscle wasting and pursed lips. When toxic substances enter the body, macrophages are released, triggering the release of inflammatory mediators like leukotriene B4, interleukin-8 and tumor necrosis factor. These all cause an inflammatory reaction and elastase release, which destruct the alveolar parenchyma. Some toxic substances, like cigarettes, 
can cause direct oxidative stress, which can also damage alveolar parenchyma. If the patient is young, then an alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency should be suspected. Alpha-1 antitrypsin serves to balance the effect of a protease called elastase released from neutrophils. With this deficiency, when there is damage to the respiratory epithelial cells and elastase gets released in response, there is a protease-antiprotease imbalance and thus destruction of the alveolar parenchyma. This therefore leads to formations of different types of bulla. On spirometry, there is an increase in the residual volume due to the loss of alveoli elastic recoil and air trapping in the bulli. This therefore decreases the vital capacity. The leading cause of COPD is smoking, and this is often a question that comes up in your SBAs. However, other causes include occupational pollutants like dust and silica. Common symptoms of COPD include shortness of breath, cyanosis, sputum or mucus hypersecretion in the early stages, or dyspnea on exertion in the later stages. You have to imagine this in big letters and red and in bold, COPD does not cause clubbing. There are a few investigations we can do to help diagnose COPD. We can use something called the MRC dyspnea scale to work out how breathless the patient is becoming as a result of their disease. Grade 1 is breathlessness on strenuous exercise and grade 5 is when the patient can't even leave their home due to their breathlessness. Their spirometry will show an obstructive picture and the FEV1 to FEC ratio will be less than 0.7. They do not show much response to the reversibility testing with the beta 2 agonist, unlike in asthma. We can assess the severity of the COPD by looking at their FEV1. They are said to be stage 1 if their FEV1 is more than 80%. Stage 2, if it's between 50 to 79%. Stage 3, if it's between 30 to 49%. And stage 4, if it's less than 30%. So the boundaries to remember are 80, 50 and 30. The patient can also do a serum alpha-1 antitrypsin and also a chest x-ray. To manage COPD, the first thing we tell the patient to do is smoking cessation. It won't reverse the disease, but it will definitely slow down their progression. And this is a really, really common question in the SBA. Second line is giving the patient a SABA or a SAMA, like ipratropium bromide. If they don't have an asthmatic steroid response, we give them a LABA and a LAMA. If they do have an asthmatic steroid response, then we can give a LABA and inhaled corticosteroids, such as Foster. For fifth line, we can give a combination of LABA, LAMA, and inhaled corticosteroid, and this often comes under the term TRIMBO. For sixth line, we can give a nebulizer of SABA and or ASAMA. Next, we can try and give them oral theophylline. 
we can also try and give them oral mucolytic therapy to help break down the sputum. We can also give the patient long-term prophylactic antibiotics such as azithromycin. Finally, we can give them long-term oxygen therapy at home. It's really important to remember to keep the oxygen saturation between 88 to 92% because if we give too much oxygen, we can reduce their oxygen drive and cause respiratory failure. I hope that you found this podcast useful and please feel free to contact the student-led teaching team if you have any questions at all. Have a lovely day.